Welcome to Seven Figures, all the information that you need to dominate your finances. I'm Sandy Waters. Thank you to our good friends at Family First Credit Union for sponsoring the podcast, keeping it going. From personal banking to business services and home loans, their number one priority is finding a solution that works for you locally. Have to thank you for joining us every week. It means a ton. Holds me accountable to keeping up with these podcasts. The other day I was trying to come up with a topic and I came across some awful statistics about financial abuse against the elderly. One in 20 older adults claim some form of financial mistreatment, and that's nationally. Digging deeper locally, it's just as much of a problem. So how can we protect your parents, my parents, the cute little old couple that lives next door? It's so weird, isn't it? Your entire life, your mom and dad were the watchdogs. They protected you from the bad people of the world. And now roles are reversed and we got to take care of mom and dad. We got to protect them. So who should we watch out for? What scams should we be aware of? We cash in with our expert, Karen Weber, a forensic financial accountant. Thank you so much for being here and helping us out with this. Thank you. A forensic accountant. What does that mean? What do you do? So forensic really relates to evidence. Forensic accountants put together evidence um, of financial matters. So in elder abuse cases, I take thousands of pages of financial records and put them into this smaller report that says, here's how much was stolen. Here's how it's happened, you know, over X period of time. Okay. And then you bring that evidence to court? Yeah. So it depends on who I'm working with, whether it's a civil attorney, whether it's, you know, law enforcement or the DA's office for a criminal case. I might use it for guardianship. I'll work with Adult Protective Services um, and the county to put a, establish a guardian for certain vulnerable individuals who have no one else or the one or two people that they did have were the perpetrators oh and, and they need their assets protected. I don't know how you do it. The it's sad tough. stories. Yeah, it's really tough, you know, but you, I always think, you know, I, I'm making a meaningful impact on someone's yeah. life. This is necessary work. And you're writing a book too, aren't you? I am. So one of the big things that I do as a forensic accountant is I kind of have to bridge that numbers gap. There are numbers people and non-numbers people, right? And I talk to adult protective services, caseworkers, and law enforcement all the time, and they say, well, we got into these fields because we didn't want to deal with numbers. (laughs) And now these are the cases that we're dealing with every single day. So I come in and I kind of have to bridge that gap. I mean, I have to explain to these extremely brilliant professionals, like, this is what an investment account is and how it works. And this is how it can be exploited. What is the most prevalent? Let's talk locally. Locally, uh, the cases that I deal with are generally family members or care aides that are in the home. Because you can pretty much hire anyone off the street yeah. if you wanted and you trust them yeah. to manage your finances, to take care of you. They should be licensed, but in some cases they're not. And it may not be family members. We're working on a case um, recently that this couple met a a waitress at their favorite restaurant. She eventually moved in with them because she was going through some hard times, you know, and and so it goes. So did they get their money back? How much did she take? Oh, gosh. In this case, you know, I don't remember. This wasn't a case so much of money being missing as she started transferring real estate properties that she had to herself. Oh, which is a whole other thing, you know, so you've got sometimes you have people who live like strictly on Social Security. So there's not a lot of money left when once they pay their rent um, or their 
facility rent if they're in a facility or their mortgage, whatever yeah. it happens to be, yeah. pay their groceries, whatever medical bills they have, there's not a, not, not a lot left over. So in that case, the only asset they might have is their house. What are some other cases that just shocked you? Or if you explain the case to us, maybe we can keep our eye out. Well, the big one that always shocks me is relatives when it's family. Mm. And yet it happens over and over again. And we learn about in school and my friend's accounting program at Brockport. There's this thing called the concept called the fraud triangle. So at each point of the fraud triangle are three um, concepts, right? The first is opportunity. The second is um, pressure. And the third is rationalization. Mm -hmm. Those three things have to be present for fraud to occur. The opportunity in this case is a family member with open access to mom and dad's money. And the second is some sort of pressure. Typically, our perpetrators are people who can't, as they say, rub two nickels together. They're either overspending, they're drug addicts, gamblers, you know, feeding some sort of addiction that they can't keep up with. Um, And so they've got this pressure to take this money. They need Uh, it. Or if they're a family member who is the caregiver, caregiving is very hard. You know, it is hard work, long hours, frustrating. If you're not receiving any compensation, you might feel entitled to that. So that's the pressure component. So you have the opportunity. You're pressured to take the money, and then you rationalize it because, well, I really should be paid for all this work that I'm doing. Or in children's case, I'm the beneficiary anyway. I might as well just take the money now. The group that's most vulnerable, age 60 and older? 60 and over. Some 60-year-olds are still working. Well, believe it or not, the peak age for financial acuity or just awareness is 53. After 53, it declines. Really? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Because, yes, these people are still working. These people still manage their own money. They may manage other people's money professionally. But yeah, the peak age is 53. Is it because the times are so different now with technology? I don't know. I really don't know. You know, technology, yes, is a problem, but I think... There's a lot of solution in technology as well. There are so many companies that exist now, um, Eversafe being one of them. It is a company that connects to your bank accounts, looks at what your historical patterns were in those accounts, and then projects that into the future. So when they monitor your accounts and an activity doesn't match what you did in the past, Mm -hmm. they'll flag you. And you can also appoint a monitor you know, within the app. And so a text message might go to your niece that says, hey, you know, aunt so-and-so's account, this transaction came through. So, you know, maybe the elderly person isn't able to understand that information, but someone who's helping them can without having full access to their financial information. And what was that app? That's called Eversafe. Eversafe. So if you go to eversafe.com. Is it free? I'm cheap. No, there's small oh, monthly fee. Sure? The most basic plan is like $7.49 a month. Okay. I mean, affordable. Okay. And then another company is Silverbills, which is like an automated bill paying service. So you don't need to worry about turning over the checkbook to someone who might abuse uh, it. Ah, yeah, okay. You just send your information to them, they pay your bills, and that's it. Small fee, I'm assuming, again. It's totally minimal. Yeah, okay. affordable. All right, so when we're trying to protect our our parents and their money that they worked really hard for. Let's just break it down nice and clean. Who should we watch out for and what should we do? We really want to watch out for anyone who's in a position of trust because anyone could abuse that privilege. So if that's strangers, that that could be someone who contacts your loved one or you, in some cases, over Facebook, 
you know, and, and built, starts building a relationship, you know, checks in every day, that kind of thing. You know, we're dealing with a population who tends to be very isolated. So any human contact they love. And if, if this person keeps talking to them and they establish a relationship and then that person starts asking for money, they treasure the relationship so much they want to keep, they want to do whatever they can to keep it going. Okay. Yeah. Um, Facebook's a tough one. I mean, definitely. just technology in general. Oh, yeah. But yeah. And um, phone scams are huge. I think we hear a lot about people calling on the phone and saying um, IRS scams on the IRS. You owe $60,000 in back taxes. If you don't pay it, you know, to this address, you know, whatever, then we're, we're going to bring you to court. Taxes are a very intimidating thing to anyone. You know, yeah. nobody wants to mess with that. Generally, they'll just pay it. However, they say if that's stuffing $60,000 cash into a FedEx box and wow. shipping it off, they'll yeah. do it. And um, it seems obvious. It Some seems of these o- phone scams seem so obvious. Right. But they're intimidating. Mm. And um, the other one, too, is what's called a grandparent scam, where someone calls up and says, you know, uses information on social media and that's publicly available to say, hi, you know, you know, grandma, it's me, Timmy, and I'm in jail. Okay, that one shocks me yeah. because it seems so obvious. But you're right. There are so many old people that are trusting. Right. And don't tell mom and dad. Don't tell mom and dad. I'll never do it again. Yeah. And Where do like, they get this information? How oh, do they... gosh. It's, it's amazing what's available on social media. I mean, if you really tried, think of how much information you could find out about someone just Googling their name. Facebook, mm-hmm. even if you're not on Facebook, your relatives are. So there's probably pictures of your backyard up there and your relatives and happy birthday, grandma, and all those types of things. That- and those scammers never, well, I shouldn't say never. I don't know. You tell me. Do they ever get caught? Where are they calling from? Scams are really hard to prosecute because they might be calling from overseas or they might be calling from locations that we can't trace. It's very difficult to prosecute scammers. You would think if they put so much effort into like a real legal job, yeah, right. they'd be very successful. Wouldn't that be great? Sounds like a lot of work right here. Oh my gosh, I know. I'm like, I'll just go to work. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Healthcare fraud. I don't. I don't really understand the whole healthcare side of it. How can you? Well, people who are on Medicare, which I think is like 65 and over, okay. they get a Medicare card and a Medicare number, where most, if not all, of their services are covered. So you can take that Medicare card just like you could take someone's Social Security card and go and get medical services. And a patient might find out about that or a victim when they go into the doctor's office and there's all these conditions on their medical report that they've never been treated for. Oh, so you got to protect your Medicare card just like you would your Social Security. Exactly. Okay. Scams by professionals too, right? Like contractors, I hear so many stories. Yes, really tough. Had a case locally. Um, that was in the news. This contractor just completely took advantage of this elderly couple, said that he was working up on their roof, you know, and took like $50,000 or something (gasps) when we had someone else come in and take a second look and only like $2,000 worth of work was done. Well, see, now how do you protect your, how do you protect your parent from signing up with a contractor that's... You need to have continual conversations with them. You know, what's going on? You know, how's the project coming? How much are you spending? Can we look at that? And then if we see, like, come on, Ma, that guy's ripping you off, who do we go to? A lot of times you can actually, if you are very concerned, um, you can have the police do what's called a, it's called a welfare check. And, you know, this doesn't apply so much to contractor cases, but if you're concerned about something, 
you can have the police drive by and just see what's going on or monitor a certain location. Is someone visiting more oh. often than they should be? Um, it sounds extreme. Is that okay? Yeah, you can do that. Um, adult Protective Services as well. For every report that they receive about mm-hmm. something, they have to go and investigate within like a three-day period. So if you are really concerned, you can have this objective third party go in and say, hey, they, they don't even tell you where the report came from. You okay. know, we're concerned about this. They might say, we see a lot of construction going on at your house and, and dig in a little deeper. Even professionals on the financial side, uh, financial advisors, for example, great people, very necessary industry, but there are a few bad apples. And sometimes the way that financial advisors get paid is per transaction. So they can do what's called churning your account and just constantly buy and sell securities, stocks and mutual funds, maybe the same ones over and over to generate more fee revenue. And that's a way that they could take advantage of you. So how can you protect your parent? What do you got to tell your parents? Watch your statements. Yeah. And, you know, generally when transactions occur in your account, unless you've given your financial advisor authority to conduct them on your behalf, you have to approve. So if they're getting an abnormal amount of requests or they're seeing transactions they didn't authorize, that's a red flag. Family members, sad to say, how many? What's the percentage? 67% in New York State, um, based on a study done recently. It's incredible. But if you think about it, they're the type of people that have the most direct access to their loved ones and to people with money. So, So naturally, it's going to occur there. Okay. And then what kind of scams do we watch out for when it comes to family members? That would be... Uh, the I mean, first, it kind of seems obvious, right? Stealing jewelry or... Yes, jewelry will be, you know, disappearing valuables is one. Um, if they get added to your account and you start seeing transfers. You know, in, in this day and age, the elderly people generally aren't familiar with online banking. So you might start uh-huh. to see online transfers. Because someone has set up an account at your... Your family member has set up an account at your bank and you can easily transfer money back and forth. Um One thing you should watch out for is when you designate a power of attorney or someone to help monitor your finances, don't make them joint on your account. Okay. Because if you make them joint on your bank account, they technically become an owner of the assets within that account. And by ownership, you have authority to do whatever you want with that money. So what are you supposed to do instead? There is an option that exists called a convenience account. Okay. And so you can add someone to the account or convenience, which means they can monitor the account and assist you with your um, bookkeeping and all that. They may even have signatory authority, but they don't have ownership of the assets. In okay. The account. So okay. that's a great distinction because when it comes time to figure out, you know, who spent what, we can easily figure out they these are the transactions that were authorized. These are the transactions that were not. Typically, financial abuse is co-occurring with some other form of abuse. So abuse might present itself in another way. And and once you dig in, you realize that something financial is going on. When you go over to your loved one's house and you see a pile of unopened mail or a pile of bills that haven't been paid, that's a huge red flag. Mm. Are they not paying their bills because they don't understand that they're due? Or are they not paying their bills because money's not available to pay them? So Mm. that's huge. Food in the fridge. Are they forgetting to go to the grocery store or do they not have money to go to the grocery store? I mean, these are all tangible signs that some underlying issue is happening. Okay. Um, And then, you know, if you are able to have conversations with your loved one, it's 
you know, who's helping you out with your finances? Are you comfortable with that? Ask mm-hmm. those kind of questions. How easy is it to get the money back once you find out that your mom, dad, or whoever loved one has been victim of financial abuse? Can you ever get that money back, really? You can. It's rare, um, but it does happen. Um, if you're fortunate enough, I guess, if your exploiter has assets of their own, we might get restitution ordered mm-hmm. against those assets or put a judgment against those assets. If the exploiter is working still, then we may be able to uh, have them pay restitution as long as they're earning income to get that money back. Now, obviously, depending on how old your victim is, yeah, you know, the restitution period might outlive the actual victim. What's Do- amazing is, you know, in today's elderly generation, they've got observable habits. These aren't people who are accustomed to technology. They're generally not using their ATMs you know, uh. to take out money. They are going to the bank and they're withdrawing X amount of dollars every month or every week for their pocket change. So when we sit down and we look at the records, deviations in those patterns are more easily observable. Mom does not know how to make an online purchase. She does not use PayPal. Mm. You know, I think into the future, like, what about us? You know, we use the internet all the time. Online transfers, PayPal, what have you. Are there any real observable patterns in our data that when someone is looking at them could pick out and say, you know what? That was not Karen or that was not Sandy. That was the caregiver. Do you think we'll be more savvy to this when we get older? I think we will. And I also think that there are tremendous strides being made um, at at the legislative level to make sure stuff like this can't happen and that there are penalties for people who do this sort of thing, who take advantage of vulnerable populations. Here in New York, um, Lifespan of Greater Rochester, which is an organization pretty much everyone has heard of locally, Mm -hmm. has done a lot of work with the state um, department for the aging on setting up what's called multidisciplinary teams in nearly every county. Hopefully it will be every county um, in a few years. Currently it's about a third of the state has them. And what a multidisciplinary team is, um, a team of individuals sit around a table. It will be a representative from Adult Protective Services, Mm -hmm. representative from law enforcement, district attorney's office, um, lifespan or other nonprofit service provider a forensic accountant, a financial advisor, someone from the tax office, someone from the welfare benefits office, all these people that might play a role in a case investigation. So one of the agencies brings a case to the table, and we basically you know, sit there and triage them. I'll take this part, I'll take this part, uh. and these cases move through the system faster. With a coordinated response like this, um, I think more of these cases are going to come out and they're going to be reported on And people are going to have more of an awareness and education about these issues. Okay. But the foundation's being laid right now. Good. Well, that's good to know. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What got you um, passionate about this? So believe it or not, it started with an internship at Brockport. I was in Brockport too. Yes. So many Brockport alone. I know. Did you love it? (laughs) It was the best school. And I, I'm heavily involved there because I just, it's done so much for me. It really made this career for me. But um, Lifespan of Rochester came to the college while I was enrolled in the master's in forensic accounting program. They said, our caseworkers are getting all of these financial exploitation cases. We don't know what to do with them. We don't have the financial education. We don't know how to approach them. And I remember the email coming out from the department career services person 
He said, you know, is anyone interested in doing this? And I'm always like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) So uh, I started working with them and I just fell in love with the work. It was using the skills that I have Mm -hmm. in a completely different way that was so impactful. You know, you, you could see the benefit that you were giving this individual. So this was eight years ago. My first case uh, was a woman and, you know, we were able to protect a bunch of her assets because we figured out how the exploitation was occurring and could put a stop to it based on the report that I did. And uh, she ended up leaving money so that these services could be continued. And then eventually Lifespan started working with the state and said, you know, this is a service that needs to be available across the state. And that's kind of where we are now, where we're working um, in a third of the counties, delivering forensic accounting services for these financial exploitation cases. When these elderly people um, are taking advantage, are being taken advantage of, do they even realize it? In a lot of the cases, don't. And one of you know, we use a forensic accounting report for a lot of reasons. You know, it's yes, it's to go to court. You know, maybe a grand jury, maybe it's guardianship. But what I think is most important is when my report in plain English goes to a victim and the victim can understand the extent of the abuse. And maybe that changes their mind about taking the next steps. So, for example, I mean, how many parents, relatives say, you know, give their loved ones a hundred bucks every now and then or, you know, mom, I need money. Sure. Here you go. Yeah. So. When we're investigating a case and we go to a victim and say, well, you know, you know, your son took a lot of money from you. The victim might say, well, I gave that to them. You know, yeah, they come to me every now and then. Well, if we put a forensic accounting report together and that hundred dollars here and there was really thirty thousand dollars. And now you can't get into the long term care arrangements that you were planning on because that money's gone. That can change their mind. So when my report can change the victim's mind is the most rewarding thing for me. And they might say, yes, let's pursue criminal charges. Or they may say, yes. How many I'm, parents say, yes, let's pursue criminal charges on you know, their own child? Very few, but sometimes they do. And if it's a minor or a first-time offender, here in New York State, we're lucky we have um, diversion programs. So we're able to say, you know, if you press criminal charges, Johnny might not get charged because there's this diversion program. He's going to get help for whatever his issue yeah, is what causing him. that's what to hear. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the case gets prosecuted, Johnny doesn't go to jail, and he gets help for his issue. Maybe restitution is ordered, and eventually the parent gets paid back. I mean, it's a good solution when it works. What do you do? Mom dies, dad remarries, this really young woman, and he's in the clouds. Look at me. And you know there's only one reason why she's with him. How many times do you see that? And can you do anything? You can't, can you? Here in New York State, we fully believe in the right to self-determination. You can do whatever you want with your money, you know? And if you want to leave it to that young person that you're in love with, you have that right. That is really difficult, but we don't want to step on that. You know, so we're dealing, we were dealing with this one case where a woman was uh, financially exploiting this guy that she knew most of her life. And he loved this woman. And would give her money and was just completely fine with giving her money. She was receiving everything in the will. Um, All the assets would be hers, but she was kind of taking advances on it. Well, when we got involved, 
because we realized that much of his investment accounts were at risk, we put a stop to it and okay. said, listen, his money is going to be is going to go for his care until such time he passes away and then you can have it. Well, this woman has completely stopped visiting him. And yet who intervened, though? Who got you guys involved? Was it his kids? It's the bank, actually. Oh, yeah. So banks pay attention. And it's not here in New York. We don't have mandated reporting laws for financial institution. You're not mandated to report a suspicion oh, of abuse. OK, we're actually the only state in the United States who really? don't because we believe you can do whatever you want oh, with your money, gosh. you know, okay. and, you know, there is there is some value in that. But in this case, the banks aren't, aren't mandated to report, but they usually have internal policies and procedures that say, you know, if Mr. So-and-so starts showing up with a friend or you see something weird in the accounts, report it to Adult Protective Services. So what did he do? He was probably devastated. Did, he, very, did he ever get his money back? No, oh. no. And he's OK with that. Oh, he is. Yeah. I mean, he, he loves poor old man. I know. That's like our worst fear. And that mostly happens with men, isn't it? The mom, she'll wear black till the end. And dad will just remarry some hot young. (laughs) That's a stereotype, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay, so let's get to the ROI, the return on investment. The biggest takeaway or something that we can implement today. Yeah, the biggest takeaway is open communication. And I know those conversations are uncomfortable, but they're necessary. You know, don't be afraid to ask mom and dad, you know, what are your your end of life wishes? I mean, maybe I, I think about my own parents. You know, there's I think they're so far from it. Yeah, they may not be, and you yeah. don't know. So the sooner you talk about it, the better. And when you can document those wishes um, in some permanent format, that's really helpful too. The other one is document those issues. You know, sign a power of attorney, and make sure that you appoint someone who's going to manage your finances when you can't do it any longer. Or multiple people, like yeah, you said. Exactly. And you have the option on a power of attorney document on the form to designate a monitor. So, yes, there is your agent by power of attorney, your attorney in fact. You can also appoint a monitor. They don't have authorization to perform transactions on your behalf, but they can be the second pair of eyes on the agent that has that authority. Okay. So the power of attorney should be who? Typically, just someone that you trust, just anybody, anyone that you trust. Yep. Okay. And then the monitor is just watching to make sure everything's cool. Exactly right. Okay. And it's easier if your power of attorney um, is local. We get a lot of cases where stuff happens because the power of attorney is your daughter that lives out in California. She's not so much involved in the day to day. You know, if it's someone close by when issues come up, that's helpful. Yeah. The other thing you can do is designate a healthcare proxy. Which that so a power of attorney makes financial decisions for you as you designate, and the healthcare proxy makes those healthcare decisions. Which really we should all have now. We should all yeah. have it because you don't know when you're going to get hit yeah. by a truck, you know? And um, also designate beneficiaries. And hopefully the beneficiary isn't the same person that's making healthcare decisions for you because if they know that they're getting the money, they might withhold necessary medical care. I mean, there's a chance. So you have to so think is about that, that a suggestion too. to have so many people involved that yeah. it, it's harder to... Yeah, the more people involved, the better. Okay. Because unless they're colluding and they're all in it together, you have more checks and balances. Yep. Okay, wonderful. Karen, yeah. thank you so much so for welcome. all your advice. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Next week on 7 Figures, price gouging. 
kind of feels just as dirty as preying on the elderly, doesn't it? In the wake of a natural disaster, government officials investigate claims of price gouging. But should they? Is there a benefit to price gouging that we are just not seeing? PhD in economics, Russ Roberts, will be on with us next week. Thanks to our friends at Family First Credit Union for sponsoring the Seven Figures podcast. All right, have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Don't forget, dominate your finances this weekend.